Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Allie. Thank you, Vinay. You guys can have a seat. Uh, we're continuing through the book of Matthew in the series that we've been in. Um, I'm just going to pray as we get going. Jesus, help us to hear from you. Help us to get out of your word what you want us to get out of it. Believe that this is your word. This is foundation for our lives, but we cannot grasp it. We cannot understand it. It cannot make sense to us. It cannot pierce our hearts without your spirit at work in our hearts. So I pray that your spirit would be at work. You would illuminate your word. Um, pray against any distractions that we might be dealing with right now. In your name, amen. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So, first thing it said, Matthew 6 verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So first thing Jesus says here, um, this seems to contradict what Jesus said at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. If you, this, we're tracking through the Sermon on the Mount. We've got a few weeks left in this, in this section, um, and then we're going to move on to the miracles of Jesus uh, in, in chapters 8 and 9. But here, it seems to contradict something Jesus said in the beginning of chapter 5, if you remember, uh, where Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, so don't hide your light under a basket let your good works be seen by others so that they might glorify your Father in heaven. So let your, get, let your good works be seen. And now he's saying, don't do it in front of other people. So he's like, well, make up your mind, Jesus. Which is it? Should people see your good works or people should not see your good works? So it, he's not contradicting himself. He's, he's getting to the heart of why we do things. He's getting to the motivations of why we do things. The motivations must be for God to be glorified, and sometimes our temptation is going to be to be cowards and to hide our faith. And that's what he was addressing at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, where he was saying, let your light shine, don't hide it. Sometimes we're going to be afraid to pray in public. Sometimes we're going to be afraid to love our enemies because people are telling us otherwise. We're going to be swept easily away by the culture. And Jesus was confronting the sin of cowardice and fear. And here, he's confronting hypocrisy. He's confronting wrong motivations for doing stuff. Uh, a scholar named um, A.B. Bruce put it like this. When, show when tempted to hide, and hide when tempted to show. When you're tempted to hide and be kind of fearful, be bold. Let your faith shine. There was, I remember there was a time when I was in a group of pastors, and they were asking for input on something, and I didn't want to give input. Usually I have no problem sharing my opinion, but I didn't want to give input because most of these pastors were older than me, they were more educated than me, and I didn't want to look stupid. So I kept my mouth shut. That was a mistake, right? I was afraid of what people would think. So that would be a time to speak up. Other times, it might be in groups where it's like, you know, the temptation is, oh, I'll be the first to pray or I'll be the first to share my opinion because I want, want to impress people. And that's, a, that, that's when it's time to keep your mouth shut. So today we're focusing on the latter, and the title of today is Freedom from Religious Games. Freedom from Religious Games. 
We've talked about freedom from anger, freedom from lust, freedom from uh, judgmental hearts was last week. Today, freedom from religious games. Doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Doing the right things on the outside for the wrong reasons on the inside. To impress people, to get applause from people, to get people to go, wow, look at you, or look at him, look at her. Can you believe what she did? Can you believe what they did? If we do that, Jesus says, look what it says again in verse 1. If we do that, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. There's a, there's a reward from your Father in heaven, but if you do it for the wrong reasons, you're going to miss out a reward. And then he goes into three particular habits. He says when you, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Three holy habits, three spiritual disciplines. And we're going to talk about those spiritual disciplines, those three habits, uh, in in more detail. Um, But first, right out of the gate, before I even hit those three habits, um, I I need to address three wrong conclusions that people tend to come up with after hearing this passage. Let me know if I need to switch mics. Just give me a something. Um, Three wrong conclusions that people tend to come up with after this passage. Number one is to assume that if someone else is seen doing these things, they must be doing it for the wrong reason. So if somebody gets up to pray publicly, oh, they want to do it for the wrong reasons, they just want to impress people. Jesus is issuing these warnings not so that we can judge other people's motives. Okay? It's so that we can look at our own hearts and say, why am I doing this? Because there are times... We see throughout the book, the Bible, and especially the book of Acts, where God's people prayed together in public. They fasted together. They, they collected an offering on the first day of the week for other churches. So this was something they did publicly, and, and people would see them do this. So there's nothing wrong being seen doing these things. What Jesus is confronting is the desire to do them in order to be seen. Nothing wrong being seen doing it. What's wrong is doing it in order to be seen. So our, our uh, first instinct should not be to judge other people who are seen giving and praying and fasting and whatnot. It is to look at our own hearts. Second wrong conclusion is to believe that the way to avoid wrong motives and spiritual habits is to avoid those habits. This is a, well, if I, if I might be guilty of the wrong motives, then let me just not do it at all. Let me not have any rhythm at all for prayer. No scripture reading. I'll just do it when I feel like doing it. I'll just be spontaneous. That's the conclusion some folks uh, come to. They throw the baby out with the bathwater. I was talking to somebody I remember a few years ago who said that they don't read the Bible anymore every day because they feel like it's just became rote religion. It became, you know, it feels dry. It feels legalistic. So I don't do it that anymore. I'll just do it when I feel like doing it. But if... We don't do that with other areas of life. Like sometimes my brain is not fully present when I'm with my kids. The solution to that is not to say, well, I shouldn't hang out with my kids anymore then. The solution is to deal with the reason why I'm not fully present, right? Why, why am I not fully present with that? Let me, we deal w- with that. And so the, the, the solution isn't to say, well, I'm not going to have any spiritual disciplines, no habits, no rhythms. I'll just do stuff when I feel like doing it. Well, we might never feel like doing it. We have cluttered, busy lives. All right, I'm going to switch. Because that's what it's just a... <laughs> uh, All right, here we go. So that's the second wrong conclusion. We should have times of uh, spontaneity. There should be. But there should also be times of planned habits, planned rhythms, structured times of prayer and fasting and, and, and giving. And then the third wrong uh, conclusion is to believe that it's wrong to seek a reward from God. 
Jesus condemns seeking applause and, and to impress people, accolades from people. That's what he condemns here. But he says there's a reward from your Father in heaven, and he's, he's basically saying you're going to want this. You should do things for that reward. And sometimes we, 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 we get so spiritual that we act like we don't want a reward. Oh, I just want to, I just want to, you know, I just want to give just to give, and I don't, I, don't, I don't want a reward from God for that. Well, that's kind of arrogant and prideful. That's kind of setting ourselves as being above the need for God's blessing us. God, I don't, whatever you have to give me, I don't need it. I'm not like those other people who need rewards. I, I'm good on my own. It's like, no, we're all needy. And if we knew what God has to give us, we'd be like, oh, I need it, God. I need it from you. I'm a needy person. And, 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 I, and I can't get those things from other sources I need from you. So don't be afraid to say, yeah, I, I, whatever God's got, whatever those rewards are, I want. I want them. So those are the three, the three things. Um, now, that said, that kind of introduction of sorts, let's jump into these three habits Look at what Jesus tells us about those things and the, the motivations that, that should be in our hearts when we do those things. Verse 2, Matthew 6. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, the hypocrites, that word came from those who were actors, those who pretended to be somebody else. And what Jesus is saying is that there are people out there who are playing, blowing trumpets, I, it's debatable whether or not they were literally doing this or if Jesus was kind of just, you know, using a, uh, um, you know, this as like a figure of speech. Um, it's possible that they would literally blow trumpets as a way to announce to the poor, hey, there's money here, you can come get it. But what they were really doing was showing off to everybody else. Um, it, that could have been what was actually happening here. Either way, what Jesus was condemning here was saying, hey, don't give in, in, in order to be seen by people to go, oh, wow, he's so generous. Wow, she's so generous. Can you believe how much he gave? Did you see the check that he wrote? That's what Jesus is condemning here because that's playing an act. That's being an actor. That's, that's playing a part. That's treating the world as your stage, and you're pretending to care about the needy, but instead you just want accolades from people. That's that's a hypocrite. That's an, that's an actor. And what Jesus says is, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. The word for that phrase, they've received their reward in full, is payment's been made. It's, it's complete. Like, you're not getting anything else, basically. If you do it for the rewards of people, Jesus is like, that's what you're going to get. It's as if God is like, oh, they're, give, oh, they're giving, it's their play. They're putting on their theater production down there. So I guess they don't really want what I've got to give them. It's kind of the idea there. It's kind of the idea there. Now, when notice verse 2, right off the bat it says, when you give to the needy. It is assumed that you will give to the needy. It is assumed that you will give sacrificially of what you have to those who need it. It is assumed. It's not if. It's, it's not if you decide to. It's assumed that you will take a portion of the money that God has entrusted to you to give to the needy. Everything that we do with our money should be done to honor God. Saving and investing can be done to honor God. Spending can be done out of worship to God. As you, spend, as you, you know, celebrate somebody's birthday, for example, going out to a restaurant, you're spending money. Well, you're celebrating, you're giving thanks to God for that person and the food and, and whatnot. But you should also be giving, and giving in particular to the needy. So that is different than giving to your family members and friends at Christmas time, presents that they don't really need. You can do that. 
Nothing wrong with that. But that is separate from Jesus' talking about giving to the needy. It is assumed that we will give to those who are in need. And when we do, do not do it like the hypocrites. Do not put on a show. Do not play a part. Do not treat the world as as a theater production. Instead, next verse, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So don't even, don't even congratulate yourself, in other words. Don't even be so focused in your mind about how much you're giving. Don't even boast about it in your own mind so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Give with an eye on your Father's reward. Now, again, this is not to say that it's wrong to give in groups, in public. It's, it's, it, you know, if your life group, for example, is taking an offering to support a family, like we did at Christmas time, different families on our community, and, you know, one person puts in a 20, another person puts in a 10, another person puts in a 50, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. It's the motive. Are you doing it in order to go, look, guys, look what I'm, I'm giving a 50. Y'all just gave a 10. I gave a 50. Look at that. Like, like, what's the motive behind it? Are our eyes on the rewards from God or on rewards from others? How do we know? How can we tell what's going on in our hearts? Here's a few diagnostic questions, some questions to consider with this one. First one, do we only give when people will know about it and hardly ever give anonymously? Or, Next one, do we give anonymously in small amounts, but make big donations when they will bring in big recognition? You know, where does, what's, what's the ratio with that one? Next one, do we only give to people in our circle of friends and family who will celebrate and talk us up to others? You know, you give to people who can either give back to you or are going to, you know, spread the word amongst your circle. Can you believe what he did? Can you believe what she did? She's so generous. And you know that they're going to say something like that. And you're like, oh, please, don't. (laughs) And secretly you're like, I hope it spreads. I hope it spreads around the community. Or do you give to the strangers? Do you give to the people who can't pay you back and aren't going to tell anybody that you know? All they can say is some random person gave me some money. Thank God. What's What's the ratio? I'm not saying it's wrong to give to friends and family. Hear me. But consider, just consider, this popped in my head this morning, might not come out right, but consider the excuses we make when it comes to giving to a homeless person. We say, well, I don't want them to spend it on alcohol. I need to make sure that they're going to spend it accurately and spend it the way I would spend it. So, and, and, and we should. There's wisdom in that. Find out, hey, what do you want the money for? I'll, I'll go buy it for you. I'll go buy you the food. I'll go buy you the whatever. You know, put you up in the hotel. That's legitimate. But we don't really analyze the stuff we spend on family members and friends to the same degree. I mean, we buy nonsense for people at birthday parties and Christmas, things that they don't need that they'll probably re-gift to somebody else when you're not looking, right? And you don't worry about that. You don't overthink that. You, hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars that we spend on family members and friends for things they don't need. And then when it comes to $5 to a homeless person, we're like, well, I really don't know how they're going to spend it. It's like, Really? Is that really why you don't want to give it to them? Just something to consider. And then the rewards from God. What are the rewards from God? First and foremost, there is a freedom from worrying about money. That is a reward in and of itself. 
I remember as a 19, 20-year-old, when I started tithing to my church community, I was in financial need. I was always worried about having enough. I was on my own in L.A., and I finally was like, God, I'm going to start giving you 10% to, to this church, and I'm just going to trust you with it. And it was like overnight where just the, the, the worrying about money broke. And I can't say, I've, I've disagreed with my wife about money. I've, you know, we've had arguments about money, but I can't say I've worried about money since then. Something broke. There was a freedom that came with being able to release it. There's also the reward of being able to bless somebody. You, just the joy of seeing a need met in somebody who has a need. There's a joy in that in and of itself. But there are physical, material needs that we have that God provides for us with. He's our Father. He loves to provide for us. So there are those rewards as well. We can't take it so far to say that there's a formula to it. You know, you give $10, and then God's going to reward you back with $100 like they do on TV. You know, don't want to go that far. But God is a rewarder. And, and when we let our money go, hold it with an open hand, God, it's yours. He's a blesser. He's a rewarder. So that's the first one, when you give. Let's, let's move on to the second habit, and that's prayer. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So consider how many times the word, for, the word see or unseen, that theme of seeing, showed up in those two, those two verses. Can we go back to verse 5 for a second? To be seen by others, the hypocrites want to be seen by others, right? And then verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees, he sees what is unseen, will reward you. So in other words, what are you saying? You might not see your father in heaven, but he's there. Let him be bigger in your heart than the people that you can see around you. Let him be bigger than the people around you. Pray to him, not to them. Because he's a bigger rewarder than they're going to be. Don't be like the hypocrites when you pray. When you're praying, you're seeking God. The hypocrites pretend to seek God. They're actors, and what they're really doing is seeking the applause and the accolades of the people around them. Don't be like that, Jesus says. Your father is bigger and a better rewarder than those people are. Pray to him. And when you pray... So there's, again, it's assumed that you're going to have a habit of praying. You're going to have a regular rhythm of praying, of, of seeking him. Now, again, nothing wrong being seen praying, but it's praying in order to be seen that Jesus is after here, that he's challenging here. And what's the reward? They've received their reward when they pray to be, you know, impress other people. Verse 6 says, he, your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So what's the reward? Well, we're going to talk more about this next week. We're going to dive into, I don't know if you noticed, but we skipped over the Lord's Prayer, if you were following along, versus, uh, we're not diving into verse 7 through 15 today. We're going to dive into that next week and dive more into the Lord's Prayer. 
what those rewards are. But suffice it to say, what God is saying, that in prayer, we get rewards. What are those rewards? It is intimacy with God. It is knowing God. It is, it is his name being hallowed, made holy in our lives. It is his kingdom coming. It is his will being done in our lives, in, 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 in the world around us. It is our daily bread being provided for. It is the grace to forgive people who are pain in the butts in our lives. It is uh, protection from temptation. So those are some of the rewards that we get in prayer when we're sincerely seeking God in prayer instead of doing it to be seen by the people around us. But again, Jesus says when you're doing it to be seen, you're losing your reward from your Father because, it's, again, it's like God's like, oh, you're putting on that theater production again. I thought it was sincere praying. Never mind. It's kind of the idea here. Like, it's, it's going to be one or the other. It's, that's, that's what Jesus is, is, is getting at. Now, how do we know? Again, I'm going to do some diagnostic questions. How do we know when our praying is for others or for the rewards of God? Because I think we're all guilty of this at times. Okay? Can we admit that? We're all guilty of, of wrong motiva- motivations at times. Right? Can we admit that? Okay. Okay. So this is just some diagnostic questions. Do we have a habit of praying in secret on our own, or do we, mo- do, do we do most of our praying in public? If there's no habit of, of prayer on our own, but we're very quick to pray publicly because people, that, there might be, that might be an indication that something's off. Maybe. Ne- next one, do we tell people we're going to pray for them and then not actually do it? Mm. Oh, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Gosh, man, that sounds so hard. I'll, I'm going to be praying for you. And then we don't. And then we don't. We're playing a part. Now, I know we sometimes forget, but then let's be sincere about it. I'll try to remember to pray for you. That's what I started saying to people. I'm going to try to remember to pray for you. I might forget about you. But I'm going to try to remember, and, I'm gonna, and, and I try to write it down. I try to write it down to remember. And sometimes, listen, listen, there is nothing wrong with, I'm not condemning anybody for just truly meaning to pray and then forgetting, but be serious about it, like, like paying a bill. Like, like if you're going to tell somebody you're going to pray for them, like be that serious about it. Where i got to make sure this, I'm going to write this down, I'm going to try to remember. I'm going to keep my word. I want to be a man of my word. I want to be a woman of my word. I'm going to do it. I also want to, uh, no, go back, go back for a second. Um, yeah, that, the next one I was just, the next one. Okay, so I'm going back. All right. So just, just, to, just to clarify something, I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, letting somebody know you're praying for them, okay? Just, just I, I don't want us to get so, like, nitpicky about this. There have been times when people have told me that they're praying for me, like, text me, hey, I'm praying for you today, and it comes at such a timely moment that I'm like, wow, God, thank you for putting me on their heart in this moment. It reminds me that God is looking out for me. It's not about like, wow, this person is great or so impressive. It's, God, you're, you're awesome that you put me on their heart. And I've tried to do that to other people. Hey, I'm praying for you right now, letting you know, just to let them know that God is seeing them and he's put them on my heart. Nothing wrong with that, okay? I just want to be clear on that. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Now, if you always have to tell people, that might be an issue. But, again, we don't want to draw such distinct lines um, all right, next one. Do we pray differently in public than we do in private? You know, using words that we don't normally use. 
Right? We hear people do this. We probably do this sometimes. We, we use words that we don't normally use. We speak in King James language sometimes in public. Right? And we don't do that in everyday life. That might be an indication that there's something in us that feels the need to impress and show off and look at the words I'm using. And then finally, last question, do we go on and on as if the length of our prayers reflect our maturity? Now, I want to be real careful here and remind you, this is about you looking at your own heart, not you judging somebody else. Because I know everybody is probably thinking about somebody that they know that prays a long time. Right? And I know some people who pray some long time, and I can be like, man, really? Like, like, like 11 things you just mentioned. Really? But people probably say the same thing about me at times. Right, Dave? Yeah, of course. So it's about us looking at our own hearts and be very careful not to go to the other extreme where you think that by doing short prayers, you're impressing people. Right? Look, I'm going to pray a short prayer. And everybody's like, oh, thank you for the short prayer because I was hungry. You know, we get pats on the back for the short prayer. So it's about the motivation. It's about the motivation of the heart. It's not about the length uh, of the prayer. All right. Again, the point is the rewards of our Father in heaven. Let's, last, last habit, fasting. When you fast. So when you fast, right off the bat. Some of us don't like this. We would rather that when say if. If you fast. Right? If you fast. But no, it says when you fast. It is assumed that you're going to fast. You're going to go without food. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. They actually make them, they, they put on a costume, right? The actors put on their fasting costume so that everybody goes, oh, he's fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So fast, don't make it so obvious that you're fasting. Don't be that person who feels the need to tell everybody. You know, you're, you're out of meeting or something and people are eating. Are you, are you eating? No, I'm fasting right now. I'm seeking God. Like, again, you don't, it's okay. Sometimes that might come out, all right? But if you're so eager to tell people the why you're fasting, you could just say, no, I didn't. Okay. Anyway, on, on with the meeting, right? So it's assumed that you're going to fast, but do it for the right reasons. Don't be like the actors who are playing religious games. That is doing it to impress people, and then you lose your reward. Do it for the rewards of your father, right? I mean, if you fast, you know, I think, hope you know, that going without food, it ain't worth it for the accolades of people, right? Going without food is uncomfortable. I don't want to do that just for the, to impress people. But if there's a reward from our Father in heaven, then it's worth it. Now, what are those rewards? Again, we're going to touch more on this next week with the Lord's Prayer. But I want to be real careful here. Fasting does not put God in our debt. We don't fast and then get to turn around and go, See, God, I fasted. Now you owe me. You owe me answered prayer. You owe me this. You owe me that. That's not what fasting does. That is another kind of religious game. But what fasting does do is put us in a position to receive, to hear from God, to seek God's presence in a way that we otherwise can't because we're too uh, clouded by uh, our comforts and our pleasures. Like, me and Jess can be present together when our kids are running around, 
but that is not the same as when we fast from our kids for a few hours. Right? When we fast from our kids for a few hours and it's just me and her somewhere, I can be with her in a, in a way that's more present than when our kids are running around. And that's kind of the idea with fasting. We're pushing aside everything else to say, God, I need you more than I need food. I want you more than I need food. It's humbling ourselves. It's humbling ourselves. As we fast and we feel this weakness, it's reminding us that, man, as weak as I feel physically without food, I feel more weak spiritually without you. I need you. Sometimes we might feel irritable while fasting, and it's a time to realize that, wow, look how pathetic I am. Look how, look how I'm really patient when I'm well-fed, and when I'm not well-fed, I can lack patience. God, man, I need help in this area. And that irritability is a chance to confess to God and humble ourselves and remind ourselves that, you know what, God is going to work through us and use us, not based on how strong we feel physically, but based on his strength flowing through us. So fasting is an opportunity. Humble ourselves. Remind ourselves of our dependence on him. That in itself is a reward. That humbling. That recognition of our weakness without him. That in itself is a reward. But there are also other rewards, I believe. There are things that happen. When we look at scripture, uh, the times that the people of God fasted, we, we, we see things happened in heavenly realms, where, like in the book of Daniel, where Daniel couldn't even see it at the moment. It was a few weeks before he saw the fruit of his praying and fasting. We, we see the, the, the early church praying and fasting and asking for wisdom. And there was breakthrough moments for the church where God launched them into a new season. So those are some of the rewards. I believe there's going to be coming a day when we get to look back and go, wow. Maybe in, in, you know, in eternity in heaven, we get to look back and go, wow. Those times that we, that we humbled ourselves and fasted and prayed, there was prayers that I prayed that I didn't see immediate results at the time, but now I get to look back and I see what God did with those moments and those prayers. But it's important to note that fasting is in inextricably linked to prayer. Like, you can, you can pray, here's a quote, you can pray without fasting, but you cannot truly fast without praying. Otherwise, it's an exercise in religiosity. It's an exercise in willpower. It's an exercise in just, let me just, you know, get through the day and feel good about myself. No, you fast, you push aside in order to press into God and spend more time with him. Now, as a church, I'm going to finish up here. Um, I, 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 as a church, we have done different corporate campaigns um, of, of fasting, where we've, 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 we've had people sign up to, you know, uh, for a Lent fast, for example, or, or sign up for, you know, we've, we've prayed for fundraising efforts. And we've signed up and we've put people on a separate email list and sent some little blurbs and stuff to people. And again, we see that in the early church. Nothing wrong with us fasting together and being and know that we're fasting together. Um, I know others, uh, people in here, um, just on their own, you know, take one day a week or, you know, maybe a couple days a month and fast. Um, I want to give us an opportunity to, 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 to fast together corporately, but to do it anonymously. So do it corporately, but to do it anonymously, a 30-day thing, and then maybe we'll do another 30 days. Um, it's going to start next Monday, June, June 13th. So, gonna give, so next week in a 
talk a little bit more about prayer next Sunday. And then the day after, a 30-day thing, th June 13th to July 12th. And just asking you to consider signing up anonymously for one day out of those 30 days. And then maybe we'll do it again another month. Because there's things for us to be praying for as a church. I'm going to share how you can sign up in a moment. But here are some things for us to be praying for during this time. Just a few things. More healing miracles in general. There's people who are struggling with health issues. But, the, but particularly Don Palacelli, as many of you guys know, he was given one year from his doctor. I'm praying that God multiplies that into 15 more. He'll be 80. We'll get to celebrate his 80th birthday. King Hezekiah, that, that kind of prayer comes from in 2 Kings. King Hezekiah is given one year to live, and he turns to the Lord and asks him for healing. And God says, I'm going to give you another 15. I'll pray for that for, for Don. 15 or more, right? But to put Don on the center and, and to fast for that. Next one is provision for a building and wisdom to use it for God's kingdom. If, if we get this piece of property on, off Maple Lab and we can start building on it, uh, we don't just want a building. We want a building that we're going to use for God's kingdom in this area, to use to serve the community, not just to use for ourselves. So we want to make sure that our hearts are right, that God gives us wisdom to know how to do that. Next thing. More of our friends, family, and neighbors coming to know Christ. If Jesus is our ultimate treasure, we want people around us to know him too. Just like when you see a good movie and you want to tell people, hey, this movie's good, you should go see it. But sometimes it's a work of God in our hearts. Or, no, sometimes, all the time. It's a work of God in our hearts drawing him, us to know the Jesus who, who, who loved us and died for us. And rose again. Next one, victims of recent mass shootings. I mean, they just keep coming and coming and just, um, just want to pray as a church. Just, you know, there's not a whole lot we can perhaps do for the families that have lost loved ones, but we can pray right now. And I know there's, 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 there, there are tangible things that might, you know, we can debate what the government can and can't do, and we can talk about that. Our school is, or our church is, um, you know, has a security policy, and we have a police officer coming in a few weeks to help us upgrade that too. But for the, for the particular families who have all, already uh, are grief-stricken, what can we do for them? Uh, if, if there's a chance to send them money, we'll let you know. But right now, just to pray, 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 and to grieve with them. And then nextly, um, refugees and victims of war and persecution. I mean, there are folks fleeing from around the world, whether it was from Afghanistan, Ukraine, and other places. And we just want to be praying for them. We want to be praying that God provides for them what they need. And then, again, if there's times for us to raise money, we, we will do that. Um, and then lastly, uh, do I have another one up there? Uh, there should be one, and that's the return of Jesus. That is the return that's on my list. The return of Jesus. Jesus, come. Jesus, return come. In fact, in Matthew, later on in, the, in uh, uh, Matthew 9, I believe, Jesus says, my people will fast for my return. They're going to fast precisely because they're going to say, ah, as much as I want food, I want you to return, Jesus. Usher in your kingdom of perfect righteousness and justice. So those are some things. We'll have sheets with that list uh, next week, but on the back table, here's how you can sign up. You grab an index card. In th there's 30 index cards back there with the dates starting on June 13th up until July 12th. All you got to do is grab one. And that, that way we know people are committing to that day. Somebody's committing to that day. We, you know, we, so we know it's covered, but it's anonymous. You can just kind of grab it on your way out, pick a day. Um, so that's that. All right. So to, 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 to conclude, to rem to rem you know, just to sum this, this whole thing up. When you pray, when you, when you give, when you fast, do it for the Father's reward, not 
for the applause of people. Don't play those religious games. I want to ask us to stand because i got one more little point to make. Can the band come on up here? One more little point to make. It's a big question I want us to be asking because this is it. This is the crux of the matter. This is, this is the main two questions that we have to ask ourselves. And that's, the answer to this is going to dictate whether or not we do things for, out of religiosity or out of, out of the wrong reasons or the right reasons. Okay, you ready for these two questions? And I want you to ask yourself this question and then ask God this question. Number one, they kind of go together. Do you really believe that our Father actually rewards us? Do you really believe that God is a rewarder? And then number two, that his rewards are actually better than any other reward that you can get. Because that's it. Whether it's praying, fasting, giving, whether it's volunteering at church, volunteering in the community, whether it's reading scripture, do you really believe that God is a rewarder? And that he rewards better than any other reward that you might be seeking. That's the crux of it. That's it. There have been times when I pray in the morning. I pray every morning. But there have been times when I struggle to believe this. There have been times when I'm like, wow, God, I needed that. Great. You know, you just rewarded me with, I feel something different. It's tangible. And other times I'm like, I don't know if that did anything. My heart in the world, I don't know if that affected anything. I struggle to believe that. And I got, I, got to, I got to wrestle with the doubt. Did that make a difference? Does prayer make a difference? Got to, I, I got to, it starts by confessing that you have that doubt. I struggle to believe that prayer is making a difference right now. Fasting. Sometimes, sometimes I've been fasting and I'm like, God, what am I doing? Why am I not eating? What's the point of this? Sometimes I feel the grace carrying me through and I have energy. Sometimes I feel irritable and I'm like, God, what, what are we doing? What's, does it really say when you fast? Giving. Sometimes we don't give because we really believe that the rewards of spending money on ourselves, the rewards of that investment or that saving is better than the reward that God might have for us by giving to somebody that can't pay us back. Back to praying. Sometimes we don't carve out time for prayer because at the root of it, there's rewards that we're after that we think are better than the rewards God can give us. I mean, that's the reason we don't make time for prayer. People say, oh, I'm busy. Busy doing what? I mean, you name it. Errands, cleaning the house, working, checking emails, whatever it is, what are we saying? The rewards I get from getting that stuff done from checking that off the list, from the clean house I get, from responding to the emails, from having my life in order, the rewards I get from that are better than the rewards that I think God can give me through prayer. That's what we're saying. Let's confess it. God, I don't have a habit of prayer because I don't really believe you're a rewarder. I, I want those rewards now. I want to see it immediately. Sometimes prayer is delayed. You see the, the rewards later. So we got to ask ourselves that. A few years ago, I was talking to somebody who was uh, volunteering, and they were stepping down from their role. They were overseeing a, a ministry, and I was finding out. They seemed frustrated. What's going on? And they told me. They, they admitted, I don't feel appreciated by the people in our church for doing what I'm doing. I said, well, thank you. That's honest. It's honest. And the truth is, if somebody's serving in our church community, they should be appreciated. We should thank them. Right? We've got people who show up at 7 a.m. Sunday mornings. We should, we should show appreciation for that. We've got people serving in our kids' 
you know, that giving up service to be with our kids. Some of our kids are hard to deal with, so we should show appreciation, right? But there are going to be times when we don't get the appreciation we think we should get. We don't get the credit that we think we should get. We don't, we, 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 we're overlooked. And those are moments, important moments for us to deal with because it forces us to confront, do I really, am I doing this for the Father? Am I doing this for God or am I doing this for people? Appreciation from people is, it's like sprinkles on the ice cream, or it should be, right? You, you go to Sundays, you don't go for the sprinkles, you go for the ice cream. And then they say, do you want sprinkles? Yeah, sure, throw in some sprinkles. The, God's reward is the ice cream. The appreciation people, from people is sprinkles. You know, the sprinkles come, they always fall off. You're like, oh, well, I don't need the sprinkles. I came for the ice cream. We're doing it for the Father's reward. If we get appreciation from people, that's nice. I don't need it. What I need is my Father. What I need is God. What I need is Him. And we tend to flip it. We tend to flip it. Where God sprinkles on the ice cream and what people say about us is the, is the, you know, is the, main, the main deal. So this is the important question. Do you really believe that our Father rewards us, that He is good, that He is good, that He is faithful, that He rewards, the Bible says, those who diligently seek Him? Praying, fasting, giving. Are we seeking him, seeking his kingdom? And do we believe that he rewards us for doing that? Or are we living for other rewards? Do we believe that he's good and gooder than anything else, anybody else? Do we believe that? We're going to end but with a song about God's goodness. Him being good, even through trials, even through pain. And I just want to encourage you, if you struggle with doubts, admit that. It's okay to have those doubts. Yeah, God, I don't know if I believe that you're good right now. Admit it. Admit it. And ask him to fill you with a fresh confidence that he is who he says he is. That he's good. That he's faithful. Even when we're faithless, he's faithful. Let's, let's sing.